friends we, we didn't do the intro oh fart i mean it is it is a bonus yeah no intro <laughs> <laughs> hello how you doing I, hello we've we've just talked so much we're just oh know, my gosh it's enough we're we're literally doing it guys when you listen to this episode on monday we ha- will have fulfilled a goal <laughs> a goal and you know big shout out to amber because not gonna lie yesterday my mental health was like nah girl let's quit and you were like no bitch we're doing this and here we and so thank you you gave me the day i'm much more of i would like to be a night owl but i've i'm just a morning person this is when i thrive so yeah i just feel much works. better <laughs> i'm just you know up all the time so well, that's <laughs> anything you're a mom. works for me yeah. yeah so but leslie you have some news for me and the explorers I loved that little segue. That was Thank you. smooth. Um, yes. Thank you. And I, I want to use my Instagram caption, but I'm not going to. Because um, <laughs> she's got to save it for the gram, people. Yeah, I got to save it for the gram. Um, I, I purchased a spooky Halloween kitty. Um, <gasps> Yay! I, I have a black cat. He is a three-pound um, <laughs> little black cat with a heart murmur. Uh, he's 15 weeks old. His name is Ripley. I'm now, I also have an infant, Amber, so I've joined the club. (laughs) You're a mother. Well, you've been a mother because you have the two puppies, but. I know, but this is a baby. Now you have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like Ripley is just as crazy as an infant would be. Um, yeah, Amber and I had a little, you know, our morning chats. We were just going over the the morning and (laughs) Ripley parkoured onto my desk where I have a candle and all of my equipment and oh my god <laughs> then he like muted me and and so yes he is just as rowdy your so your poor little have, throat I, just... I know <laughs> sorry guys you're gonna hear it i motherhood we we take ravioli to daycare and it's bringing back a whole bunch of illnesses that i thought i was stronger then <laughs> hey, just the season and, oh yeah, and you know they say you just have to go through like a couple of winters, and then you like build an immune system. Just for all of it to like go back again, though, because like, don't your cells shed every like seven years? So oh, maybe. you go through a couple of winters, and you have a strong like two or three years, and then your cells all change, and then you it just kicks your ass again. Well, see, when I was teaching and I was like so sick all the time, everyone was like, mm-hmm. oh, your immune system will kick in. And it never did. <laughs> I mean, granted, I have an autoimmune disease, you know, spoiler alert. Later, but... we found out why it didn't <laughs> never kick in. But yeah, all the teachers were like, oh, after a few years, like your immune system will get used to it. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and that's something too. Like, so everyone's like, oh, you just got to get through the first year, right? And then I had a coworker who was like, honey, I'm sorry to tell you, but they're going to start preschool. They're going to start school. Like new people. You're going to have this every couple of years. New yeah. Germs. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's never ending. Yeah. So, but back to spooky kitty and your <laughs> parenthood. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you know, it is a Halloween episode. I feel like we should be spooky. And here we're talking about, you know, common colds and 
kittens. Kitten. So that's as spooky as we get, I guess. Yeah, we've 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 miled out now that we've done a, over a year of this podcast. We're just not as spooky as we used to be. I'm just tired. <laughs> I know, right? Like Leslie and I were talking yesterday. Like props to all the podcasts that do this as they're normal. Like this is like for us, you know, just like hard. a fun little thing. But like a lot of podcasts just do this well, <laughs> all and, the time. And we like have, I feel like we've said this every episode this month, but it's true. Like it is so exhausting. It's yeah. just a lot of work and it is energy and effort. And what we're researching is Ugh. sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's something too. Like the topic is definitely like, some can hit you a little harder than others. I think that's why, I, like, mine have been kind of quick this month because I'm just like, oh, God, we we have to do this every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it's just, yeah, it's it, it's hard to <clears throat> disconnect when you, like, read pretty graphic details. And, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we haven't talked about what we're talking about yet, but, like, it's going to be rough. Well, and so that's a beautiful segue into kind of what we're doing. So for the first time, I think ever, Leslie and I have researched the same topic um, and we split the research. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know what she researched. She had a harder time not knowing what I researched because I did early life. And of course, every time you read about someone, early life is the first thing. Is always going to play a factor. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she doesn't know the gist of it. Nope. Um, and then I also did some research on another subject um, that in- is included in this. So, like, we're kind of, it's going to be kind of fun. We're going to go back and forth and each of us have a little stake in the case and <laughs> happy bonus. Go from there. Yeah. Bonus. Thank like, you. this is just new for us. And to the explorers. I mean, honestly, at least applaud us for following through with our words here. <laughs> I know. Like, guys, we did it. We gave you a podcast a week, and we gave you a bonus episode that'll be coming out on Halloween. Happy spooky season, explorers. Happy spooky season. And then we are going back to our regularly scheduled two podcasts a month where we are happy and content. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you can be, right? Sometimes yeah. that's all you can do. And I have this beautiful sounding voice just in time for spooky season two. Oh, yeah. It's like it adds to the ambiance. Yeah. I sound like the 80-year-old haggard witch that I hope to be someday. Goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, the cough is getting better. Um, I, I only cough when I laugh. So <laughs> we're going to have a good time editing this one. That's okay. It's okay. You know, just uh, yeah. do you have some, some water, some tea? Do you have, are you nice and hydrated? My hubby was nice and went and got me a frozen chai, so hopefully I can just freeze my throat and not have too many issues. Good luck. All right, Leslie, why don't you tell the explorers where we're going? On the map today, explorers, we are going to Hollywood. Hollywood? Hollywood. Hollywood. All right, friends, so we have to kind of... The city of the stars, sorry. The city of the stars, (laughs) I love that. We kind of have to tell you where our brains went because while we were telling our explorers to leave us messages and tell us what to look at we came up with a backup plan just in case because you know i know you guys love the banter but you're here for a reason and maybe it is just for us maybe maybe we should just stop talking about true crime and everyone would be like okay now we're getting what we want just kidding no we could never (laughs) um but our backup plan 
was I was talking to Leslie about my absolute favorite movie that I love to watch this time of year. My husband's not a huge fan of it, so usually I watch it by myself. And I realized, or Leslie informed me, that you had never seen it. I was a virgin. She was a virgin, which is an important part of that movie. Oh, my God, it is. <laughs> so I, we decided, I brought up how this movie actually in, was inspired by a real-life uh, killer. Mm-hmm. And I said, why don't we tag team this if we don't get any, you know, ideas that we want to roll with? And Leslie thought it was a good idea. So Leslie, actually, we did a lot of work for this episode. <laughs> we watched, the, we watched, we both watched the movie to have it fresh in our heads. We did. Leslie for the first time. And then we did research about the movie and about the killer that inspired this movie. So we have put in some hours for this yeah. episode. Like it's starting to feel like a full-time job. <laughs> I mean, I loved it though. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. So fun. The research was no depressing, but um, yeah. you know, that's but I kind of like depressing cases. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. We definitely learned a lot. So explorers, we're going to give you a moment. Shout it out in the car, at the gym, wherever you listen to this <laughs> podcast right now. What movie do you think we're talking about? We'll give you a second. Okay, okay second's up. <laughs> <laughs> we watched Scream. Scream. Yeah. So, Leslie, first and foremost, as someone who, like you said, is a virgin to watching this movie, mm-hmm. what'd you think? Here, let me pull up. So, I put, I took some notes for the last uh, Ooh, five. Good. So, let me pull up my notes here. <laughs> so, the first thing I have written down is that Drew is given some, like, porno numbers vibe. You know, I said I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. It says 96 looks amazing. I was three. I didn't know. Missed the fashion. Right? I know. The fashion. I was literally thinking that, too. I was like, you know, I kind of throw a fit every time I see something from my childhood come back on a younger youth. But Mm -hmm. I need to just embrace it and just go back to the 90s fashion that I kind of missed out on for being so young. I know. We were like, yeah, we missed it. We missed it. But I mean, some of it. 96, I'm sure we looked fucking. I'm sure our moms made us look. Hella 90s. Yeah. Yeah, But um, so, yeah, I loved it. Um, Overall, though, like. I, so I paused it after five minutes, and that was pretty much the the beginning scene. That's when Drew gets murdered. And mm-hmm. I paused it, and I just said, I can relate to this. Um, I can understand, like, how this would be so scary in the 90s. Um, my childhood home, I grew up in the middle oh, of nowhere. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had a ton of windows, you know, growing mm-hmm. up. And so, sorry if you heard a pounce. So um, That was Ripley making his debut. <laughs> yeah, they Ripley and Roxy are being typical siblings. Um, anyway, <laughs> so my childhood home, you know, I had a ton of windows, like how the house did in the movie. And mm-hmm. and she's like freaking out because he's saying he can obviously see her. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can totally understand how this would That's be scary. True. Well, in your house backed up to like a field. Yes. So yeah. like, and it was pitch dark. So mm-hmm. I couldn't see out, but they could see in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like the, the window that was above like my kitchen sink. Yep. I was like convinced that someone could see me. I was terrified of that window, you know? know. So. Well, we used to always hunker down in the basement because uh-huh. you couldn't like see it's anything. Spooky. I feel like you were more comfortable down there. Well, and I mean, so I can just come 90s. I can, you know, now it's like kind of funny, right? And I, and 
when I started it, I didn't realize that it was kind of like a funny satire movie. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, no, this is a real horror movie. And, <laughs> um, I was like, you know, and Robbie goes, this isn't very scary. And I said, no, but I can understand why it would be. Yeah. Well, and I think they, I think this movie does a really good job of that line between like funny and scary. <laughs> Like, you get that it's making fun of itself while it's going. It's not like scary movie where it's like cheesy hit, you know, cheesy jokes or like the slap happy stuff. It's like clever. It's clever funny, which is hard to do. Yeah. No. And like the cast, I forgot how just star studded this movie had. I mean, Drew Barrymore, Matthew Lillard. The Fonz. The Fonz. Yeah. Like, it was. It was, I watch it every year and I feel like this is the first time I like watched it thinking about you watching it for the first time. So (laughs) I tried to watch it like a first time or two and I really, really tried to pay attention. Like Craig had uh, ravioli and was just taking care of her. Uh Uh-huh. So you could focus. (laughs) Excuse me, miss. Yeah, so I could focus. Ma'am, what's wrong? We're having feelings. Oh, me too. And I just loved the like... You know, that they were paying tribute to, like, other horror movies. Um, you know, there was, mm-hmm. like, Fred the Janitor. And yeah, dressed up as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, and obviously little little Rav doesn't want us to record that part, because she cried over it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, she's just having a feeling kind of day. Poor thing. Some other notes I had. Oh, I for sure thought the sheriff was the killer, because when um, Sydney was in the bathroom... And Mm -hmm. the killer dropped down, you know, they dropped down um, in the stall and all you could see were the the boots. The sheriff, they also like did a zoom in on the sheriff's boots. (gasps) Oh, good catch. I didn't notice that. Oh, my God. It's the sheriff. Um, Another note I had was that Dewey is the worst cop ever. Um, (laughs) Isn't that like the cutest part of his like whole (laughs) demeanor, though? I guess so. He's just so dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, I was really disappointed when Tatum died. She was like my fave. I know. Yeah. But also, like, why try to convince your friend to go? True. To a party. She really wasn't a very good friend. No. That's true. I don't know why I like Tatum. I guess I liked her because she was like, fuck you to yeah to like courtney cox <laughs> yeah like i think that she was a really fun character uh-huh. for sure um and then the last thing i wrote down was that when sydney said that she has uh she's self-absorbed because she has ptsd oh my gosh right or like when the boyfriend's like your mom died a year ago get over it and it's like what a piece of shit what <laughs> Yeah, like, and she witnessed it. Like, yeah, what? Not, not yeah, cool. I, yeah, and I feel like that a little bit too is maybe like you can tell like with the '90s and stuff. Like, there's a little bit in there too of the time. Oh yes, I. Did. It was so funny. I I had to pause it to go take my pills, and I like it was right when um they were at school and Shaggy and uh Skeet, that's his name, right? Skeet. It's the guy from Riverdale. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, they're talking and I just paused it and I said, you got to love 90s sexism <laughs> Like when he was yeah. like, oh, the the killer couldn't be a woman. It was they have to be too strong or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like, too, like because you said this is satire. I feel like they fed into it more, too. Probably. Like, 
they fed into the Courtney Cox character being super obsessed with fame mm-hmm. and like she like it's almost like they were they were making fun of newscasting because the 90s is really when news reporting changed and like opinions started getting thrown into everything too well and like the oj trial i mean that was like yeah pivotal for true crime reporting i mean yeah so i feel like like yes this is a horror funny satire movie but really like deeper than that like there are parts of it where like the 90s and how we like people probably lived at this time it's ingrained in it Mm -hmm. like any other movie it was like a time capsule it's that was like yeah what I was that's perfect for the first like five minutes I just kept thinking this is like a 90s time capsule I love it yeah yeah like the fashion mm-hmm. all of it it was it's just my favorite movie I don't know how we've been friends since sixth grade and I saw it and you did not but I'm so glad you're part of the club now it's because I was terrified of breathing I mean I'm not like that's true I say that, but genuinely October used to be my least favorite time because I used to be afraid of even like commercials because, you know, everything was like a little spooky, you know, Mm -hmm. and I used to just be so scared of everything. Um, And then all the, you know, uh, trauma, (laughs) uh, something changed and now I can like handle it. But so that's why, I mean, I watched Freddy Mm. Krueger. That was one of the first scary movies I watched. And that first movie I've only seen the first one and it like fucked me up for life. I, there's a scene from that movie that I think about on like a daily basis. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> it like haunted me. Yeah. It like fucked me up for life. I mean, I just was too scared to watch that stuff. Well, and so you guys hear Leslie's acknowledgement of her childhood. Um, her jerk best friend would force her to watch <laughs> horror movies at every sleepover. So Cause scared. we used to, we used to do a thing. I live next to a blockbuster. Uh-huh. Hello, my age. Um, 90s time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> we used to go down to blockbuster. My mom would give us her card and we'd rent. She'd just kind of let us loose and we'd rent horror movies. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before and everyone was into it, but Leslie, <laughs> like poor Leslie was just forced to sit there and watch. And half the time she would not watch. Well, and then this was um, like, everyone would fall asleep and I would just like lay there and my like <laughs> shitty smartphone. Right. I didn't have, I couldn't get on MySpace. Like I probably yeah. didn't have enough texts left from that month. Like <laughs> I couldn't text my boyfriend at the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, you were just like there scrolling through your random stuff, just, trying to fall yeah. asleep, like reading yeah. fucking yeah. pictures, magazines. <laughs> anything. Yeah. And then the, the sweet best friend that I am had no clue. That's okay. <laughs> like you always, you would be like, guys, I don't know. And we would just be like, it'll be fine. And we just kind of forced you into it. <laughs> That's okay. Look at us now. <laughs> I know. Now we're actively watching horror movies because we want to. Together. Because <laughs> we love it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I'm the complete opposite. I used to love, like, we saw mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I used to love watching those. And now, like, I cannot do it. Like, this is probably as scary as I want to get. Oh. It's like Scream and, like... I like, um, there's a movie that came out a couple years ago called Happy Death Day. It's kind of the oh. same aspect. It's still scary, mm-hmm. but it's satire. So there, okay. there's jokes. Like, I need humor to, like, function. So you're like a Shaun of the Dead type. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I need a little bit of light humor to make me feel better. <laughs> Fair enough. I still don't fuck with Shaun of the Dead because zombies I, yeah, are no. my irrational mm-hmm. fear. So, Oh, I yeah. Zombies and aliens freak me out. No way. 
So, but yeah, so I'm glad that you love it because I'm so excited. <laughs> now, I did a little research on the the whole genre, I guess, series okay. because you did ask when you were watching, you asked me how many Scream movies there were, and mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time, but I did look it up. There are so. five, right? Almost. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Damn it. So, let me see here. Let me get my notes pulled up. And I think I saw one was, like, just released, wasn't it? Oh, Leslie. <laughs> okay. You're so you're so good. I was trying to avoid it. It just popped <laughs> up on my Amazon when I searched for no, the first one. <laughs> of course it did, yeah. Okay, so this is... I'm going to give a quick little synopsis, because maybe there's someone out there like Leslie who we've just been talking for the past t- 10 minutes about this awesome movie, and they're like, what the fuck is Scream? Uh-oh. It's a cult classic, so you should watch yeah, it. Yeah, so you should watch it. And you can actually watch all of them on Paramount Plus if you have Paramount Plus. True that. Um, except for the newest one. But anywho, so I'm going to give you a quick little description of the first movie, and then I'm going to kind of give you some info that I found. Okay. So Scream came out in 1996, like Leslie said, and on IMBD, which is where I got my information, um, it was rated a 7.4 out of 10. Mm, so crowd. a classic yeah but i mean i still think that's pretty high i don't feel like most movies don't make it true you know much higher than like a five or a six true i mean that's a solid so, c right so um a year after the murder of her mother a teenage girl named sydney is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as a part of a deadly game so that's the gist of all of it the two, mur- uh, sorry, I'm going to give you spoilers because the movie's been out for a while. 20 so- yeah, like more than 20 <laughs> years. Um, so the two murderers are obsessed with horror movies and they learned from them and decided to become what they thought were the best killers. Gross. So then we're going to go through the movies in the series. Now, I'm not going to give you guys a synopsis for all of the movies because we'd be here forever. Um, but I am. So we didn't watch. I didn't. I have, I've only watched the first. I got to half of the third. So mm-hmm. um, Scream 2 came out quickly in 1997. So they pretty much like oh. recorded Scream, saw how good it did and got right into Scream 2. Original cast was there. And of course, new cast because they kill most of the original cast. The original cast is there. Is it? But it's probably just like Sydney, though, right? Sydney. Um. Well, spoiler: Dewey ends up living. Oh. And then Gail. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like those three, and then the uh the kid that's a virgin. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Like uh, Richard. Ricky Rodney, something like that. Something with an R. Yeah. He is in the second one as well because he lives. Okay. Because he's a virgin. Yes. Virgin. So. Geek. Scream 2 came out in 1997 and got a 6.3 on IMDb. Uh-oh. So, but still pretty good for a sequel, right? Like, sequels... I guess that's true. Most of the time, sequels are not, you know, better than the first. So, mm-hmm. then um, we waited a couple years, and in 2000, Scream 3 came out. Lowest rating of all of them at a 5.6. Mm. And I can kind of agree. Like I said, I'm halfway through the third one, and... As the series goes on, it makes fun of movies that make multiples in the series. So they continue to make multiples. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of like they're making fun of themselves, which Mm -hmm. I think is funny enough, but it gets a little too sequel-y feeling. Or like 
it's like kind of like you're beating a dead horse at some point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the third one dropped and was the lowest. So then for a while, we didn't have anything from Scream. You know, they stopped for a bit. They, you know, the the ratings dropped. I'm sure they didn't make nearly as much money as the first two, and they took a break. Then it Scream Four came out in 2011. Um, oh. And this one got a 6.2. So we're back up to good ratings. So I think we're learning with sequels, the more time you give in between, the more people like want those feelings. Yeah, right. Yeah. They want to go back to 96 with the first one. So they get more excited about seeing it. Sometimes if they come out back to back, people are over it. Well, and like people want what they can't have. So it's like yeah. the the hype of like, oh, we have all this time in between. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it makes sense why it it's like a rebrand yeah and scream 4 is very good they like all all of these movies have original cast members come back and i i re- i watched scream 4 i didn't know scream 4 was a thing um and i remember watching it like last year or the year before oh okay. and i thought it was good i have to rewatch it to like give my full thoughts on it but i thought it was a good twist oh. at the end okay. so is it still pretty like silly or is it actually serious? oh yeah Okay. I mean, I, it, it feels a little bit more like the first one, so it's not as silly as they made the third one. Um, but it, it definitely has the same kind of mindset because all f- the first four are all directed by West Craven. Um, so they had the same director. Of course, directors have more titles. I didn't look into like his whole background, but he mm-hmm. had um, he had like producer and all of that stuff involved Mm. in a lot of these so and for people who don't know Wes Craven he actually it's funny that you brought up the first movie that you watched he directed Nightmare on Elm Street oh my god so he's well he's been fueling my nightmares for 25 years yeah so (laughs) Nightmare which is also why he did the shout out to Fred the janitor oh funny because he's the director um he's pretty much been a part of almost all of the freddy krueger sequels as well um because there's a lot of those too weren't there oh there's so many so many he produced the first last house on the left was that the one we watched Uh uh-huh that we talked about a couple days ago Uh. yeah so last house on the left it originally came out in like the 70s or 80s or somewhere around then and then it got remade in the late 2000s so we watched the remade version he made the original oh okay um and then he also was a part of the hills have eyes which is my least favorite horror movie it scared the shit out of me i've never watched it but i'm like kind of intrigued Oh my god! It started it. It's terrifying. Like it, you, I props to you to watch it, but I, I won't watch that one with you. <laughs> oh, okay. So and Robbie probably won't either. So mm, probably not. So it might be have, have to be a you thing. Oh, spooky, spooky. <laughs> so then we go. We don't hear anything again from Scream for a while, and then in 2015, there was an MTV show called Scream that didn't have any of the original cast but was kind of based around the same thing it was this town and this teenage girl was targeted by this killer and and copycats of this killer and the the her friends were murdered around her and what year was that 2015 to 2019 so i watched this show it is so good it was on mtv yeah and i is that the one that's like scream queens no it's just scream Okay. So, okay. Scream Queens can... is a different show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Scream Queens is written by the person who makes American Horror Story. Ah, okay. 
Yeah. So this was, it was literally just Scream and it was a TV show. And Wes Craven was a producer on the TV show. So he was also mm. included in that. Um, so that's what we have for, oh, for, I mean, a decade or more, you know. Cool. Um, then... You are correct, Leslie. There, and I didn't know this, which is surprising. And my husband was like, "Really?" Because he knew. Um, oh. They came out with a new screen this year. Yeah, I only saw it just the other day. <laughs> yeah, I found it while I was searching through um, stuff for the pod this morning. It came out in January, and the rating was a six point three. So we're back up to pretty like good. the pretty good numbers, um, and it had original cast members as well. Oh, fun. Yeah. So you asked how many movies, and I guessed four or five, but I was wrong. Because now there's six? They're coming out with a sixth one in March next year. Okay. Do we feel like this is enough? So here's what I found with my research. So Scream 5 is about a whole different woman. It's a, it's a teenage girl again. Um, played by a late 20 something, you know, just sure <laughs> Hollywood sure. making those teenagers look way older than they should. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, I watched an interview. The cast seems very sweet and nice. So it's about them. And then they get the original cast members who are still alive involved needing help because someone is wearing the ghost face mask, but instead of terrorizing Sydney, they're terrorizing new kids. Mm, cool. So what I'm learning from what I read, and I want to tell you how on point we are with our podcast, because the article that I read about Scream 6 came out nine hours ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. So like we're with the Dahmer one and this one, like we're trendy, which never happens. Well, and maybe Dahmer, I guess, wasn't like this was super unintentional. Yeah. Who would have thought that Scream, something from the fucking 90s would be relevant right now? Although I did come across something in my research that Uh just came out as well that is Scream involved. It's a a show about, it's a paranormal show. Okay. About our our real killer, but it's called Scream, like the true story. I started watching it. Did you, what did you think? So I only watched a little bit while I was at work doing research and I'm, I'm not sure. It was silly. I have to watch, yeah, I have to watch the whole episode, but it kind of. I like watched probably 15 minutes of it and I was like, I'm not going to get anything from this. Yeah. They, he just seemed it was, he wanted to be like Zach Bagans and be like that stupid series, yeah. but it only works for Zach Bagans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's like his brand. I agree. I like, I was like, I'm not going to get anything from this. This is, and I didn't realize, I thought it was just like a documentary. Yeah, so did I. I didn't realize it was a paranormal show. And so when I started watching it, I was like, oh. I mean, you know, I like, think I might watch it like for fun. It might be funny, yeah. but <laughs> like for this purposes, I was like, no. Nah. No research. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So I pretty much stopped watching it. So. Twinsies. In March of 2023, we will expect Scream 6. Now I did look and see in this article that I found, um, Nev Campbell, who played Sydney, the lead girl, is not going to be a part of this one. Oh. Um, apparently, there was a disagreement on um, money, and she feels she is worth more than what the new directors offered her. Which, girl power, girl. Do you think? I hope so. Hopefully, it's not like she's being uh, like shitty about it. Yeah, no. I mean, in the article, it seemed like she was very kind. She was like, this movie is going to be really... 
you know, good and all that. We just couldn't come to an understanding. And she kind of talked about her worth and her worth as a woman. So I think it was more on the train of she wanted to make sure she was getting equal pay. And I don't think that she felt she was. So not today, but another day. Let's look at who that producer is so that we can maybe not support them. (laughs) Well, I have a little bit of information about the directors. Oh, perfect. I'm not so much about the production because I don't know who decides that. I'm sure the directors don't. I don't know. It's probably the whole team. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Hollywood. I don't either. David Arquette, who played Dewey, will also not be in the movie. So spoiler, um, and I don't, I'm going to watch Scream 5 at some point. Oh, does he die? He does. But like he died in the first one or, you know, they claimed that he did. But like, I guess this time he's like really dead. Oh, Emmett, um, but it will have legally blonde. I know <laughs> that's all I picture. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it will have um, they will have Courtney Cox still. OK. Um, and it seems to be starting over with this new group. So, you know, five kind of brought both of them to both of these groups together, the new and the 90s version. And now I think with six, they're taking a step and they they're probably hitting the younger generation more than like the millennials yeah. who love Scream. And they're going to carry on with them. So. I mean, it's going to be like hocus pocus. Yeah. You asked if it was going to be too much, if we're like doing too much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think that they could do a really good job of kind of transitioning. And like, yeah, the millennials, you know, the grumpy ones might be pissed off because it's not what they expected and all this. But I think like the younger, they're making something for the younger generation, which we have to do. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a true point. There you go. Yeah. So that's going to be coming out in March. Um, Scream 5 and 6 were directed by Matt Bentolini Olfen and Tyler Gillette. So they are, uh, I don't want to say new on the scene because I don't recognize them. And I'm sure there are some cult classics who are like, no, they're not. They're, you know, they've been around forever. Blah, blah. I don't know. Um, the only movie I recognized that they've made other than these is called Ready or Not. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Mm, I don't. It's not ringing any bells, but that doesn't mean I haven't heard of it. Okay, so Ready or Not came out a couple of years ago, and I didn't look a lot into it, but it's the one where the on a, her wedding night, a bride has to play um, a deadly game of hide-and-seek with her in-laws because her in-laws believe that they're cursed. I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm going to fucking <laughs> go look into that. So it's another kind of satire movie. Um, I haven't seen, but it's like more scary. I think it leans on the more scary side. I haven't seen it. I just saw that I've seen the trailer and like, I think I caught like a little bit of it one day when I was cleaning and and watching TV. Um, But pretty much, I believe this family believes they have a curse and their son and their firstborn has to marry and they play a game of hide and seek and then they try to kill the first wife. Oh my God to keep this curse at bay. Um, so it's her against this entire family. Um, and it's got like light comedy, but it's also still kind of like a thriller. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So that's what they made. And I, it's been on my list to like watch, but I have to like build myself up to watch scary movies because sure. I'm the type of person that rewatches the same show 75 times. Cause it's my comfort show and I know what's going to happen. I hate things when I don't know what's going on. Me too. I actually had this conversation at work. Like, I'll just rewatch Twilight and Harry Potter for the thousandth time and just <laughs> yeah. be happy and content. And yeah, that's fine for me. I'm the same mm-hmm. way. Like Craig, it drives Craig crazy. The number of times I've seen the office, like he's over no, it. No, it just makes me happy. Yeah. So 
that is kind of our little blip a little blip as we're going into 40 minutes yeah. that leslie will have to no, cut not really because this is what we wanted it's this true. is a bonus yeah it might be extended a little bit longer than our normals um but that's scream the franchise a look into it um one of my favorite movies and i just think a classic a classic i agree cult classic loved it Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you loved it because I would have been devastated if oh, no. the answer was different. No. And you know what? We, so, uh, a little flash forward. We, we were trying to do like a reaction video since I hadn't seen it before. And mm-hmm. um, the, the time that I thought that Robbie was recording was when Sydney punched Courtney Cox in the face. Um, oh, that was, was a good like, one. Oh, my yeah. God, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we should watch the uh, sixth one together and we can react to that one oh that'd be fun yeah Yeah. we'll have a random video in march of us watching the sixth one but it's spooky season year round for us it is it is well and i didn't realize the fifth one came out and it did like amazing in the box office interesting amazing and i had no idea it was a thing (laughs) until this morning so i'm kind of bummed as me saying it's one of my favorite movies and not being totally aware well, but yeah. I kind of like fell off the face of the earth when it came to like movies between like 2013 to like 2020, really. I just like right? stopped watching movies. Me too. Well, and my husband and I, like we used to really like to go to the movie theater and stuff. And like we've slowed down, I think, because it's just so expensive now. Like I, I, I'm anti-movie theater now. Oh, no. Well, I still love a, a good movie theater, but I mean, germs, COVID, people, it just yeah. is. And it's expensive. And yeah, and I can stream shit from my home now. I know. That's like what makes it easier is the streaming stuff. Definitely. So, but yeah. So that's the movie. Good job. So people might be asking, why is this true crime? Yeah. Like the, when did we turn into a movie review podcast? However, we've done this a couple of times. Let's be real. We have. <laughs> We have. I know. Yeah. Like, do we need to bring up Harry Potter again? Come on. Come on. So we, I learned, I don't know when, a couple years ago, that this was loosely based on an actual killer. Um, and Leslie, you had a little bit of information from the producer, right? Yeah. And what, what inspired Scream versus what we're about to talk about. I did. Um, I guess I'll just... I guess let's just get into it 40 minutes later. We can say, I mean, in the description, we usually put the topic of the <laughs> the podcast, but yeah, um, today, well, actually, you know what? First of all, skirt, skirt, let's go on a field trip. We need to uh, change some locations, Amber. So can you tell us where we're going? Today on the Map Explorers, we're going to take a field trip to Shreveport, Louisiana. To Shreveport, Louisiana. So um, we kind of have to start there first. Um But today, Amber, we're going to talk about the case, um, well, the serial killer known as the Gainesville Ripper. That is correct. And so that's that's who loosely, quote unquote, loosely inspired. Um, And actually, what I kind of read was that so when West heard about this case, he was inspired to write this kind of satire so while, yes, it is loosely based, I mean, that's, I would use that term loosely. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, he pretty much said it was inspired by, and actually, when the movie came out, um, I heard that all the promos, you know, it didn't say that this movie was based off of a true story, mm-hmm. which I feel like so many movies do. Um, you know, there's like The Strangers, which I yeah. 
that movie again fucked me up for life um yeah <laughs> watch that, that with you mm-hmm. and kathy terrified me yeah. <laughs> I, I mean i could remember exactly what i was doing it fucked me up um but you know even on that movie promo it says based off of a true story yeah well, I mean, and we had that whole generation of like Blair Witch Project yes. where they tr- and like and uh, paranormal activity mm-hmm. where they tried to make you think it was based on real true stuff. Yeah, fact. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like people really did not know until like th- more of the Internet era that this was loosely based on this person. Well, and I think what I read was basically after the fact when he was doing like a separate interview, that's when he said, mm-hmm. well, this case, I heard about this case and it kind of you know made my wheels turn a bit which is terrifying <laughs> but yeah but well and i mean now that i've we've listed off his movies it makes sense it does make sense it does yeah he's brought us some of the more classic horror movies that are classics and we have to look at like creative minds i mean everybody has different skills um you know and i guess the way that he looks at things is just a little bit more morbid. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, uh, which is saying something from us. It's a little scary in his head, I'm sure. Yeah. Rest in peace. Oh, is he dead? R.I.P. Mm, yeah. R.I.P. He had a good life. He lived till 75. Oh, yeah. He had a really good life. Yeah. So the killer who inspired uh, is a man named Danny Rowling. Uh, I'm sure, Amber, I know you did his early life. So mm-hmm. do you want to you want to jump in here? Of course. See, you've been talking this whole time. Maybe we should have done this a little <laughs> differently, but I know I didn't even think about how the timing would Me go either. Um, that's okay. I'll just talk your ears off, and then by the end of it, you'll be like, "Thank God, oh, no. <laughs> she's done." But Danny Rowling um, was a man who. <laughs> let me get my Sorry. notes. <laughs> I just left it. Was okay. a man. <laughs> was a man. So he was born on May twenty sixth, nineteen fifty four. And in his early life is what I'm going to kind of talk about. And then Leslie's going to take over from there. Um, He was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. And his father was a Shreveport police officer named James. Which is terrifying. Yeah, this took me on a whole spiral in my head of like just how scary some people in power can be. Tis the decade. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and... James pretty much went out of his way to let Danny know he was never wanted. James never wanted his wife to get pregnant. Well, and didn't he, like, say that it wasn't his or something like that? Not in the research that I found. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if it's something you read. Like, I'm sure he, if you don't want your kid, like, I'm sure there's a point where you're like, not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's a douchey white man. Well, and you don't want to take responsibility. Yeah. So, but instead, what James decided to do is just beat Danny and his mother, Claudia, day in and day out. That is all that he did. He made sure Danny knew he was not wanted daily. And Danny remembers having that memory from a very young age, not being wanted by his father, beating up his mother daily. And it would be small things like the first time Danny and this is obviously his mom recalling this for him but the first time Danny got beat was because his dad was mad that he wasn't crawling correctly I heard that he like grabbed him by his ankles and like threw him against a wall yeah yeah Yeah. so like very graphic um horrible person it's one of those cases where nature versus nurture like 
we feel sympathy for the child. We're not going to feel sympathy for him later on. But it's kind of one of those things where you wonder if he had a functioning home, would things have been different? I had a therapist once say it's a reason for something, but it doesn't make it right. You know, there's a reason that something's happened, but that doesn't mean that it's okay that it happened. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can't say, well, this happened to me, so that's why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Like other, other people in the world have been beat just as bad or worse and aren't serial killers well and and i if i'm gonna if i'm stepping on your toes research wise like i said i tried to avoid it but um i did i did listen to the opening um statement by the prosecution during the whole trial Mm -hmm. and um or not the i did listen to the prosecution but the defense attorney and he basically was saying that like the abuse started as soon as claudia was pregnant Oh, yeah, because, well, he was beating Claudia before she got pregnant. So when she's pregnant, that's a that's a really good way to look at it, because, like, you're a fetus, not even out of the womb yet, and your dad's already hates you. making it, yeah, hates you and making it really hard for you to sustain life by beating the person who's trying to grow you. Well, and then I saw that, like, she basically reported it, but he was already a cop, and they said that it would mm-hmm. impact his career. <laughs> So they just fucking wrote it off. Which is ridiculous because it should be, oh, you beat your wife? You probably shouldn't be out with the public. You shouldn't be a cop who yeah. is in control of people. Has a weapon? Nothing. Yes. No. It- and to say, oh, well, you beat your wife, but we're not going to punish you for it because it's going to ruin your your police career. It should ruin your police career. Uh, it yeah. should ruin your life. Tis the decade. I, I mean, it, this just is... So frustrating. Fucking the 70s and 80s, like... This, when the serial killers ran rampant, it's like, what a time yeah. to be alive. Like, what was fucking oh police doing? Well, and it's just like you look back to, because like we're all like, if we want to get deep for a minute, like we all have ancestors. So the fact that we like our lineage has even been able to survive like oh, this yeah. crap and then survive long enough for like us to be born and the future generations. Like it's such a trip to think about like there are a lot of people who did not make it out <laughs> of these places and these times alive. Well, and even today, I mean, I'm not trying to say this as a brag, but I am like so fortunate. I don't know someone who has died by gun violence, but I think like I'm the minority. (laughs) Like I I think that's rare. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. It's just, you know, you wait until, I mean, it's, it's, the more humans are on the earth, the more likely it is that we're all going to have tragedy around us. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, and to kind of segue into that, just to talk about how horrible James is, even though we've done it already. Sorry. James. No, no. James literally c- forced Claudia to cut herself like with oh. razors and then got her locked up in a, in a mental health hospital. Yes, I did. Here, I did see that. Yeah. So then Danny and his eventual little brother, Kevin, are left in their dad's care. And I, the defense attorney just said that how Danny um, talked about how when his mom left, that was like the worst moment of his life because it was so traumatic. Of course. Watching her be like taken off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and like this woman, like what I found, this woman tried to leave him multiple times Mm -hmm. and ended up coming back probably because of like what you said, the first, like for the first maybe couple times she was told like it's going to affect him and there was no one there to support her. Like you're the problem, not him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so of course you're going to go back if, like, you're telling people who should care and they don't care. So is the decade she maybe didn't have a job, you know, maybe had a call or a high school education, probably didn't have a secondary education. Um, yeah, probably just nowhere to go. Exactly. And if and if James is making the money and is able to support her and her two sons, then I don't know. She Maybe she felt like she didn't have a choice, unfortunately. And he's a cop. Like, yeah, who are you supposed to talk to? <laughs> yeah. How are you supposed to go? Yeah. That's my question. Like, if I, if I were to, and I could never uh, fully understand it, but to just try to put myself in that situation, I would be terrified of where will I go where this man won't find us? Because mm-hmm. he's a narcissist who is abusive. And you're going to, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she was like, he'll find us. Like, there's no way. Oh, for sure. He wouldn't let them get away. He's a cop and he used his connections to get out of a, what should have been an abuse fucking charge anyway, a physical abuse, you know, for his wife. Again, even before she was pregnant, I mean, they said that he would like leave bruises on her arms, like from his fingers, because he would like dig his hands into her arms. Yeah. Like, like that's toxic and he should have been arrested. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That he just was able to get away with whatever he wanted. Like, I think you're right. She probably thought, how am I supposed to escape this? He already escaped something that I had physical proof on. 1.2, James, um, his sense of discipline. So like what Danny explained was he pinned Danny to the ground and handcuffed him and then had police take his son away because he was embarrassed by him. When? Just 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 because. Yeah. He was, Danny did something embarrassing. So his dad wrestled him to the ground, cuffed him and called the cops to take, have him taken away like a scared shitless type or like that stupid show scared straight yeah. whatever that's ridiculous yeah. and then there's another story where danny had a dog and james would start beating the dog unfortunately um and he beat him so often that uh, the dog ended up dying in danny's arms when he was a child yeah i heard that too yeah. that's fucked up that's terrible i just can't yeah so of course this is gonna fuck up any person and I feel like sure. there's a part of me that believes, like, there's there's good and bad in everybody, and I feel like it just depends on how deep it goes, right? So, like, clearly, mm-hmm. like, again, sympathy for the kid, but we're not going to have sympathy for him when Leslie starts talking about him. No. <laughs> and I think it's that was probably always buried in him, and the abuse definitely didn't help him avoid those feelings. No. And the problem is, is that... When we get to my segment, I mean, he's a touch of a narcissist and he loves, he likes being in the public eye. He likes people talking about him. Yeah. And so it's hard. It's hard to be empathetic at all for, towards him. I mean, like you said, he lived a traumatic, a terrible life. I mean, I, you know, in his, his, some of his early life, I, unfortunately I did learn because I, was looking into the trial you know for his to see what he was charged with and i mean didn't like a neighbor of his um testify that she one day was so concerned about james's discipline that she called the police and said that she thought that he was going to kill danny just by disciplining him oh i didn't see that oh my gosh yeah and like he would um fasten like a belt and would like whip the shit out of danny's chest and stomach outside so everybody could see oh my gosh so this man had no like of course danny and his brother and his mom wouldn't leave he Mm -hmm. had no he wasn't hiding what he was doing no (laughs) no no terrible it's 
And again, they nobody did anything because he it would ruin his career. Oh my gosh! Well, and what? So we, we kind of see too in his teenage years. It starts at like fourteen. Danny kind of starts getting in trouble, and this is kind of where, for me, it it kind of changed. Um, again, sympathy for the kid. I'm gonna say that a hundred times during my segment. Um, so when he was fourteen. He got caught. Um, he was a peeping Tom in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and neighbors actually caught him peeping on their daughter. Um, I can't imagine because I didn't. I did not find a lot about what happened to him after these things happened. You know, so I don't know what his dad did after Danny got caught peeping. Um, he also had an issue with burglary um, in his teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, he had several robberies in Georgia. Um, and then also I saw that he struggled to hold down work. And at one point he decided to enlist, um, the Navy wouldn't take him. So he joined the air force. Um, but the military didn't provide him. I think he kind of thought he needed structure and the military didn't provide him that comfort. So he actually quit the air force, um, for too much drug and alcohol use. Um, really? Yeah, and he admitted to taking acid more than 100 times. Oh, so his brain's probably fucking melted. Yeah, so this is kind of like his early life. You know, he's he's a troubled kid with a horrible father, and he's trying to find a way to acclimate to, like, I guess normal isn't the right word, but he's trying to have, like, a normal life. He thought the military would give that to him, which I think a lot of troubled people feel that way about the military, including people who don't have a lot of, like, structure. I feel like they Mm -hmm. think that going the complete opposite and being overstructured might help. And sometimes it does, but a lot of the time it's it's too drastic of a change. I'm just sitting here thinking, um, it's in, so he was in the air force. Um, yeah. we'll come to find out his weapon of choice, Robbie, uh, Robbie was watching some, some of this shit with me and he was like, was he a Marine? Because the weapon of choice is like a, a Marine knife. Oh really? Oh yeah. No, he was in the air force. Hmm. Yeah. So. And I thought he was in the Navy, but yeah, no, the Navy wouldn't him, take huh? him. Yeah. Okay. They denied him, which also I feel like if you're denied from one branch, you, you should shouldn't be, be able accepted. to go to another. <laughs> Unless it's like, I guess maybe, although they call the air force, the chair force. Is it like, maybe like you can't physically do what is required, but you're like meant you can use your brain for I guess army shit. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that if like, Unless it's something as simple as, like, I know the Air Force and the Navy are more intense about, like, your vision, you know? Yes, Like, right. you have to have, like, almost 20-20 vision to do those things. Definitely. Like, that I get. Like, that's something, you know, that... And sometimes they allow medical procedures to change it. Sometimes they don't, depending on the person's eyes and stuff. But, like, that's something I get. Like, if you if you don't have the vision, can't do the surgery, and you still want to serve, okay. But, like... And sorry, I just thought of another thing too. Yeah. Like uh, fighter pilots in the Air Force, if you're too tall, they yeah. won't take you because you can't. You literally won't fit in the fit airplane. in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like those things, I get. Like mm-hmm. you should be able, if you want to continue to try to serve, you should be able to go into another branch. But like, he was dismissed for fucking acid use. Yeah, like that should be <laughs> a no across the board. Yeah, that should be a hard pass for yeah. all all parties. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit of Danny's um, early life. 
So, Leslie, do you want to take us into the rest? I do. Let me move my notes around here. Because I looked up his uh, criminal history, right? So I've got lots of dates. Um, (laughs) He was in um, a county jail that he tried to escape in 1980. Um, I mean, he was in and out of jail. He robbed. He did a lot of armed robberies. That was kind of his start to his criminal career. Um, Basically starting in like the 70s. Let's see here. May 1979, he robbed a supermarket um, with a gun. He just a couple days later, five days later, he robbed another supermarket um, and this time in Georgia. Um, He was arrested and then sentenced to two concurrent six year terms for the armed robberies. So he was in prison for quite a while in 79. Let's see here. Um, He escaped (laughs) from fucking prison. Um, How easy was that? I'm sorry to just jump in. I feel like in a lot of true crime like ted bundy escaped three times like how easy was that back in the day um so ted bundy it's funny you mentioned him first of all i think it was really easy those fucking cops that let ted bundy go were fucking idiots right so they basically just let him walk out that door all three fucking times anyway well one time sorry we're the sidetrack you can cut this out one time he literally stopped eating so he could get skinny enough to fit through the bars oh i know i know and no one noticed that they're so stupid and they would just like let him because he was a fucking sociopath and they would just let him in the library and let him fucking do whatever he wanted and jesus um but it's funny you mentioned him because rolling i'm not going to call him his first name anymore because now we're getting into his we're getting into some terrible shit and you will find out how terrible of a person he actually was um so rolling really liked ted bundy um oh he actually idolized him he thought he was just he thought he was so charismatic and so smart and anyway so yep he he gave from prison while he was serving his terms for the two armed robberies Uh um on in october of 1979 um he was he basically surrendered after they fucking chased him down and they they fired a warning shot and so he gave up um and was sent to a different prison for about six months. Um, it's saying that he was attacked by multiple inmates. In fact, was almost raped um, in that prison. Okay. After six months, Alabama said that we they wanted to extradite him um, to stand trial for a robbery that he did prior, another armed robbery. Jesus. Um, he likes, he does a lot of B&Es, uh, and, and he doesn't, he always has a gun on him, but... Everything that I saw, that's not his weapon of choice. So it's almost like he just has it for the shock factor. Oh. Sure. He went to Redsville, Alabama, extradited him, and he spent some time in a Montgomery County jail. Um, It was then that he again tried escaping, and they basically put him in the hole for a couple of fucking days for er, basically almost on and off for three months. And, you know losing three months of social time and sunlight just didn't help his brain at all yeah in 1984 he was released from prison oh geez um and that's when he went back to live with his mother and father um in november of 84 was when he broke into that young girl's home like you talked about um (laughs) here's what he said because you know he did you i don't know if you read he likes to sing songs he's a country singer did you see that I saw that he was into music. 
and like hymns is what I saw when he was a kid. So he would he would sing like church music. So in 1984, he says he broke into some to a young woman's home after he was watching her for several hours. Oh God. Um, he said his intention was to violently rape her, but she started crying and begging her begged him to stop. So he says that they stopped. And um, he said that he sang her a couple of songs and they talked. And what? Uh, and so then he says that they engaged in consensual sex. Uh, Probably not. Okay. I broke into your home and watched you for hours, which you may or may not know. I was going to rape you, but now I'm just so charismatic that I just talked you into having sex with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Idiot. Um, and so, yep, he fled, you know, just was trying to avoid, they, he was never caught for that, but he, this is what he claims he did. Um, then we'll fast forward to, um, January of 1985. Danny is in California, um, for about six to seven months. Um, he's there for a while and then abruptly leaves out of nowhere. The assumption is, is he probably committed another crime and needed to leave, um, but he didn't, he never confessed to a crime at that point. We've got a couple of more armed robberies um, in, in 1985, including stealing th- almost $300 from a Kroger, <laughs> stealing family, family members' car keys, uh, and basically pl- police are just fucking arresting him and then letting him go, arresting him and then letting him go. I mean, he spends, he spends time in jail on and off for probably five years. That's so frustrating. Like, why the fuck was he let go? I just don't, I don't understand. Like, he's, it's, I mean, and that happens today. You're clearly showing you're not changing. Yeah, not at all. Like, you have no intention of changing. Yeah, but we're going to just keep letting it happen. The time frame is July of 1988, and Rowling was on parole for a five-year probationary period um, due to his fucking conviction of armed robbery at a grocery store in Mississippi. Uh, Rowling moved in with his parents on it said around July, like mid-July 1988, um, because he was unable to keep or find a job. Like you said, he just mm-hmm. couldn't keep employment. So he had to move back in with his parents. That's got to be rough with the abuse that he experienced as a child, and then you have to go back to that person. Exactly. As you can imagine, it probably wasn't a great household, not a great environment. On November 4th, 1988... Um, Rowling was working at a restaurant and basically on that, that Saturday, he was fired for missing three consecutive days of work. Um, rather than being like, you know, you're probably right. I have really, I only have one job and that's the bare minimum is showing up and I didn't do that. So, um, they fired him and he was so outraged that he was like, he threatened to kill a manager and some cooks that were working at the restaurant. Oh my gosh. So they kicked him the fuck out. I would hope so. So just keep in mind that November 4th date and what had happened. Just okay. keep that in mind. And before we get to Gainesville, we have one more family that we have to talk about um, before we even get to the meat of our story. And we're going to talk about a family um, that's called the Grissom family. Mm-hmm. On November 6th, 1989, two days after Rowling kill- threatened to kill his um, co-workers, the bodies of Tom Grissom, Julie Grissom, and Sean Grissom were found in Tom's home. 
which this home was just over a little a little over half a mile from the rolling home. Mm-hmm. A little bit about the family. Um, there is a 2020 episode, a two-hour 2020 um, episode that has um, Tom's son mm-hmm. interviewed in it. And this case, the Grissom case itself is complicated. We'll come to find out because it goes unsolved for about nine years. Oh, my gosh. And this case is just as complicated as the Gainesville murders. So William Tom Grissom was 55 at the time of his death. He um, worked at AT AT&T, and I couldn't find exactly how close, but they said he was pretty damn close to retiring. Hmm. And he had been fighting a long battle of throat cancer. Tom was born on September 2nd, 1934, to Joe and Agnes Virginia Grissom. Um, He had an older brother named Charles and a younger sister named Julia. And then um, Tom had a son named Scott, as I said earlier, and of course a daughter named Julie, who is our second victim. Hmm. Um, Julie is 24 years old at the time, and she was a student at Louisiana State University studying marketing. In 1988, um, around January 1988, I'm sorry, around January 1989, um, Julie had just moved to Shreveport from Baton Rouge because she had transferred universities. And again, I couldn't find exactly how close, but they said she was near graduating. Mm-hmm. I'll be, you know, I wonder if she maybe had like another semester to go. This is November. So maybe, okay. maybe this is semester one of her senior year. And then there was Sean Grissom, who was eight years old at the time. He was a third grader at Turner Elementary School. And over the weekend, he was visiting his grandfather, Tom, um, because it was his birthday, his birthday weekend. And part of his celebration was that he got to go to his grandpa's house and have a sleepover. Oh. So he was at Tom's house for their little sleepover. And 8.30, the, the Monday following the weekend, um, Sean's mother got a phone call that Sean didn't show up for school. And Sean's mother knew that he was at Tom's house. Mm-hmm. So she tried calling Tom, couldn't get in touch with him, couldn't get in touch. Finally, she decided that they needed, she called the police. Um, she was concerned that she just wanted a welfare welfare check, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, when police arrived and no one answered the knocks at the door, uh, surrounding neighbors started to kind of notice. And I don't know if this is like due to a search warrant or what, but the police could didn't enter the home themselves um yeah they had they had the neighbors enter the home what mm-hmm. so it's okay to allow someone to break and entering okay. i guess okay I, I don't know yeah um and so at 8 45 a.m three neighbors opened the utility door in the garage and found the body of tom against the door basically blocking the entrance into the home oh um bob coils who was one of the men that discovered Tom um, said, quote, we cracked the laundry door open and saw it. I didn't even know who it was. We just got out of there. Hmm. And when police entered the scene, um, they came up to a very violent and disturbing scene. Um, Police said that it was obvious that Tom had been grilling steaks. And he was found with several stab wounds to his back and chest, again, slumped against that door. Sean was watching TV in, on the couch in the living room. He was found face down on the couch with a single knife wound to his back that went straight through his chest. Oh my gosh. The amount of force. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
the weapon choice is intentional. Um, he he picked it. I mean, he he knew what he liked. He had he had preferences. He just he's a piece of shit. Um, mm. So Julie, um, Julie had picked out a red dress that she was planning to wear to a high school friend's wedding that evening. Um, she had been found in her bedroom, sitting up naked. Um, she had been stabbed three times in her back, but that's her body. So uh, this is really hard. It's, it's one thing to read this, Mm -hmm. these things, but it's hard to to say them. them. Um, Yeah, I agree. So Julie, um, Julie was found naked on her bed. She had been cleaned with vinegar. Um, like her entire body had been cleaned. She was left naked and posed in a provocative Mm. pose, essentially. Um, And Julie had her body basically showed that she had been taped. She had like tape marks on her face Mm. and like on her arms. um, And he he just left her there. Um, And I guess I should say, spoiler alert, Rowling did these at the time. They didn't know. Yeah. And for nine years, they didn't know. And I. but it was confirmed that Danny Rowling did this. Um, so there was no sign of breakery, uh, break-in. There was no sign of burglary. It was just like he just fucking went and killed them. Um, police determined that the family most likely died on that Saturday, the 4th. Oh, my goodness. So it, it wouldn't be Halloween if, like, my fucking audio <laughs> decided to stop recording for the last 15 minutes. And we didn't know, so. <laughs> so it's fine. You know, it, the techy tech shit continues, but um, it's all good. We're just going to yes. do a little repeat, so. Yes. Yeah, so if our reactions are not as <gasps> inspiring as you feel, just know. <laughs> It's the second time. <laughs> it's the second time. So um, I listened in the last part that I recorded. Um, we were still talking about the Grissom murders, Amber. Mm-hmm. And I had left off basically saying, you know, after police had gone in, they thought it was Hal Carter. Um, yes. But there was no evidence. Um, there was DNA that was left at the scene, um, mm-hmm. which was blood type B. Okay. Oh, which also makes me sad because we... <sighs> like talked about the kidney and oh. yeah we had a nice interlude um so we'll repeat it um okay. because Leslie, we needed the break <laughs> yeah we needed the break and now we need it again because we realized the audio went wonky and maybe <laughs> you need the break like well, the listener you know yeah the li- yeah because you didn't have the first break because yeah. that audio is gone i get exactly it. uh <laughs> so um leslie you're type b correct i am yep i'm type b we're not saying you're the murderer obviously no No, I I think you promise. Something fun. Um, So I'm type O. And when we were going through the kidney donation process, the nurse called um, to let me know. Because O is, and I got that wrong in the first one anyways, O is the universal blood type. Like O Ah. can donate to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So the nurse called me and told me, you're a no. But I heard, you're a no not oh so i was like i'm a no and she said no 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 your blood type is oh 
which was good. We were hoping for that so I could donate a kidney to you. Uh-huh. And I, I've never, I shouldn't say never because I hate using absolutes, but I do not recall a time where I have ever told someone maybe how they should not do their job, but I was like, maybe you should lead it that way. Maybe she you goes, should not. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, oh yeah, no, um, I should start with blood type, huh? And I was like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's cute. It sounds cute in, in her head and I understand. She was, ex- yeah. And the excitement, you're a no. And I yeah. literally was like, oh my God, this lady's being so happy telling me no to and donating <laughs> a kidney. <laughs> and you're like, this isn't very happy lady. Um, yeah. And then she was like, no, no, I'm so sorry. So Leslie then informed me um, some fun kidney stuff as well with blood type B that I didn't know. Yep, some fun things. So because I'm a blood type B, I could have accepted an organ from an O um, or an A. Mm -hmm. If you were an A, you could only accept from an A. And if you were an O, you could only accept from an O. I'm pretty sure I I could be wrong, but I really feel like that's what they told me. Either way, Mm. I got an O kidney. So I'm basic. I basically have two blood types. You do. Well, and during that process, so you know my dad, and the listeners, you don't know my dad. I actually don't think I've talked about my dad that much on the podcast. Yeah, huh? We talked Uh, about his hard of hearing a couple times. That's that's correct. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) So my dad asks the most you think I'm random I got it from my dad Mm -hmm. um he asks the most random questions so we're sitting there ready to donate and they have this little partition between Leslie and I and Leslie's family's with her my family's with me and my dad asks my surgeon because we had different surgeons Mm -hmm. um he asks my surgeon he goes I have a question and you could tell the surgeon has gotten a lot of weird questions and my dad goes, I have a kind of weird question. So he kind of led into it. And the surgeon was like, is it about the surgery? Because I clearly like this guy has been on a time for crunch. a long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my dad said, yes. So then he was like, so if Leslie ever did like a DNA test and he's thinking like 23 and me, uh-huh. would it have my DNA? And the doctor goes, well, I guess if they come out with a DNA test where you have to take a piece of the kidney <laughs> or some fluid from the kidney, yes. Yes. So then my dad got all excited because he was like, oh, my God, I've been calling her my daughter for years Aww. and now she's got my DNA. And I was like, excuse me. You're like, OK, I'm about to go into but surgery. Like, the, yeah, the one you raised is going <laughs> is going to go into surgery. Thank you for being excited about Leslie. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like hyperventilating on my side of the fucking room, like having a panic attack. So I know I felt so bad. I was nice. like laughing and making jokes. And then I looked over and you were not having a good time. <laughs> it's okay. This is very typical us. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and I mean, different strokes as well. Leslie had at that point, many, many, many mm-hmm. surgeries. And it had been a very stressful year with dialysis and things. And this was my first surgery other than mm-hmm. wisdom tooth removal. So I'm just like making jokes with the nurses and trying not to think about what I'm about to go do (laughs) yes and I was meanwhile thinking why can't I be at MCR why do I have to be at this hospital oh (laughs) is that what you were thinking yes that was my panic (laughs) well and I mean we gotta give props and shoots was for me yeah 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 really good they and everyone was pretty nice so that was our interlude we we added more to it though so (laughs) ta-da always but we needed that little break because it's now I know it's about to get heavy about to get worse um so i know i know we keep saying gainesville gainesville and we're not to gainesville yet we are so close i promise um there are just a couple of things leading up to uh danny's end all right um Mm -hmm. 
And he, you know, he does admit that while he was living in Shreveport um, between 89 and 90, he was partaking in illegal things. Um, You know, he admitted that on Christmas Eve of 1989, he went to a home. He said at random, probably not at random, um, but he saw a woman changing in her bedroom. And after standing and watching for a while, probably doing gross things, um, he decided, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back for her. And he decided right then and there that he was going to rape her. Oh, my God. When he returned that evening, think thankfully, she was not there. Um, but he decided to just break in instead because, you know, we he likes doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just wanted to wait till she returned. He said that he watched TV and he listened to her radio and um, he said that she had a really large uh, liquor collection and he said that he was sampling her different liquors while he was waiting. Um, She's in her eyes. And eventually he just got bored because she just wasn't coming home and he said that he stole some cash and I saw that it equaled to be about like $30 um, and he took like a bunch of dimes it said very specifically <laughs> Uh, and he decided it's the to the smallest of all the coins. Makes I guess that's sweet. true. You can take more and shove them in your pockets. <laughs> I guess they're harder to grab though. Cause they're smaller, but whatever. True. Hey, and if it's like, if he has claws like me, like every time I try yeah. to pick up like change, I'm like, <laughs> I look like a fucking Could idiot. you imagine? That's like a thing. Like the serial killer scratched to the table around the <laughs> coins and it's just your claws trying to grab the Yeah. If I ever change. steal anything, you'll see like some struggle, some struggle marks around. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, so, so he stole some cash maybe dimes um some whiskey i think that was called chivas regal not true it was called chivas or chivas regal um and then he stole a 38 caliber revolver okay um let's see here so by may of 1990 rowling's mother said that the home is just worse (laughs) she said that the fighting is non-stop that rolling and james you know i mean you you told us what it was like in the his early life yeah so now rolling is a man he's grown he's big um yeah i I remember reading they they said he was a a behemoth of a person which i don't i disagree he's six two how tall is your husband six three and a half yeah give or take so is robbie so maybe it's just because we're around giants so we're like used to it true because my Um, brother-in-law is six foot seven so like no one is big in my mind anymore right yeah so yeah kev's like a giant giant (laughs) yeah six seven is aggressive yeah (laughs) um no offense kevin love it love it for you amazon likes he's really helpful in grabbing things off the top top shelf Oh, it's like my favorite pastime when we go to the grocery store and Robbie helps old ladies pull things off of. I know. Craig gets that all the time. It makes me happy. (laughs) Um, And so I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, um, so he's a little bigger, right? So now he can fight back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I think Rowling's dad is just as big of a piece of shit as he is, but... He's um, a demon, right? Like, yes, which you you mentioned before, and I told you to hold on to that because, yeah. which is funny, you're we're talking true crime. Why are we going to talk demons? We're talking uh, all of it. Um, this case has it all. Um, 
And so May 18th, 1990, it's a Friday night and Rowling and his dad are fighting shock. Um, and it ends up being Rowling shoots James in the head and in the stomach. What? And um, I didn't say that your reaction this time around wasn't as much, but um, yeah, he shoots him in the head and shockingly survives. It, James survives. Um, he leaves, he's left blind in one eye and like crippled, but other than that, he's fine. I just, that's, you can't feel da- bad for his dad. No, Because of what he did to everybody. Like I'm reminding myself, like I can't feel bad because I feel like it's just horrible that anyone has to go through any violence or abuse, but like karma is legit. Well, and I'm sure Rowling had had fucking enough. Unfortunately, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong that he shot James, but I get it. Yeah. You've been abused your entire life. Yeah. And you're over it. Well, yeah. And like, let's see here. What? He's fucking 36. Like, Rowling is 36 at that point. So 36 years of nothing but abuse. Yeah. Like, you're going to fucking kill someone. You're going to be mad at him. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how old James is, but I'm sure, like you said, he's 36. So that's also 36 years of your dad getting older. And not weaker. Able to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the Gross. same things he probably did. You're right. You're exactly right. Um, so James survives. And like I said, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but this, but rolling shooting James um, basically is the domino that will bring us to Gainesville. This is the reason that rolling left Shreveport, Louisiana and made his way to Florida. So in so that was on May 18th and basically from then until to be the early June um Rowling is basically just a transient. He's going in and out of stuff. Um sounds like he's homeless sleeping outside in woods, finding making campgrounds. Um I didn't read, you know, sometimes you hear like these serial killers were like boy scouts or something if they're spending yeah. a lot of time in the woods. Yeah. Um I didn't come across that. I don't know if you did, but no, I didn't have, he didn't really do a lot of extra cur- curriculars. Like he went to school, went home, got beat. Like that was all mm-hmm. I found. Well, and then I saw his neighbor say that he like used to play guitar. Um, yeah, he got was, into music. Mm-hmm, that was like his, oh yeah, I remember he's a country singer. We talked about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it got cut out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it all blends together. We don't know what you guys know anymore. <laughs> um, So he... Oh, but wait, he was in the Air Force for a little bit before he got kicked out. So that's probably how he has some like wilderness skills. Oh, good point. Good point. Um, by June 2nd, Rowling says that he broke into um, a home of a man named Michael Kennedy. Michael wasn't there, but he did have some handguns that uh, Michael also had. Uh, oh, my God. And identification papers. Uh-huh. Of his deceased um, son, Michael Kennedy Jr. And so Danny took that, took the ID, took all the guns, and um, basically dropped the name Danny Rowling at that point mm. and begins using the alias of Michael Kennedy Jr. Okay. And I don't know if it got cut out, but I do think it needs to be brought up. You know, they keep saying that he's stealing guns at all of these different crime scenes, but I don't know where they go. Yeah. <laughs> like, why continue stealing guns? I mean, you... un- unless he's abandoning them with every crime that he does. But God, at that point, it's almost like he's just stealing shit just for fun. Like, not Probably. even because he wants it. 
Yeah. I mean, probably that was his first MO. Yeah. Gross. Okay. So that was June 2nd. Um, June 12th, Danny robs a superstore, like a grocery store, um, and he took over $1,600. On security tapes, he was recorded telling witnesses, thank you, and God bless, and please pray for me, because God knows I need it. Yeah, see, that I'm not cool with. Like, let me just terrorize you and scare the shit out of you and take your hard-earned money and things from you. $1,600. Yeah, and then ask you to pray for me. Like, no, I'm not going to pray for you. Well, yeah, like $1,600 now. I would be pissed if someone took that much money from me. Oh, my God, yeah. And in the 90s, that was probably like three grand. Yeah, no way. I would pray for me. That's just like so narcissistic. So then just to piss, to really dig that knife in there and stick it around some more. Like two weeks later, he goes back to the same store and then robs it again. (laughs) And this time gets $2,000. The balls. The balls. (laughs) Like the balls to, or maybe the ovaries. I don't know. Whatever we're saying now. But to to go to the same place within two weeks and traumatize probably the same workers. Probably. And maybe some of the same patrons. Right. They probably just got over it. Probably were like, okay, we're safe. And then it's like. Yeah. Can you imagine someone's like talking themselves up to going to the grocery store again? And then it happened. I would never go shopping again. Unfortunately, I can't imagine because, you know, when we started this podcast, there was the King Super shooting. Um, Yes. Unfortunately, I can. And and Danny didn't even shoot anyone. He just threatened them. Um, Traumatized. So, yeah, so he does that. Um, meanwhile, he, he's also, like, calling the fucking police. Um, and he, like, is, like, telling telling the police, like, oh, I'm hiding from you. You know, like, it's me. But, like, oh my just, God. just fucking with them. Pray um, for me, but let me antagonize everybody. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, it. And, you know, in the beginning I said, like, sure, we can look at his home life and we can see how terrible it was. But I think he is also just a bad person. Um, you know, he liked t- Ted Bundy. Um, and he fucks, he just likes to fuck around. Like, just, I, I, I don't know. I just think he's a little shithead. And I think he likes the attention. He tried writing a couple books, you know, like he just likes. He did. Oh my gosh. Like he just, he likes the attention. And we'll get to, he was engaged to a woman who was notorious for um, like getting it having relationships with um murderers and convicted murderers and then writing stories about them oh my god so um so yep danny again he's using the name michael kennedy um and it's funny because he he makes a couple of purchases and he does a couple of things under this identity of michael kennedy jr and it helps the police and the prosecution basically create a timeline of the summer of these murders. Um, and so bad for rolling. Good for us. Um, yeah. So it's August 23rd, 1990 and, uh, rolling checks into a hotel in Gainesville, Florida under Michael Kennedy jr. Um, and this hotel is kind of surrounded by camps, um, or excuse me, surrounded by woods with like that you can go camping in. And so he finds a spot that's like, two miles away from the hotel and two miles away from an apartment complex. Um, And he chooses this little area. It's like right in the middle. And he chooses this area to like pitch a tent that he buys 
under the name Michael Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, in August, around that same time, he breaks into um, an apartment owned by a man named Christopher Osborne. Mm-hmm. And he steals his car. He steals Christopher's car and takes it to go to Tampa. Um, when he's in Tampa, he continues to do some uh, burglaries of homes. He steal. He breaks into a convenience store, steals some shit. And, and all the meanwhile is just leaving evidence and is just leaving trails for the police to find him. Yeah. It's just unfortunate it took so long. Mm-hmm. So... August 24th, 1990. There are two college freshmen who are living together in an apartment um, that they attend the University of Florida and they were unable to get on campus housing. And I guess it I guess it was a really big problem at this time. And in this school, it was really hard for freshmen to get on campus housing. And I don't know, Amber, if you remember when we were freshmen, Mm -hmm. but I remember people talking to me about the importance of living on campus yeah i mean i remember being put on a wait list so i was actually really stressed out because i decided much later than you to go to school (laughs) i was going to take a year off until a counselor scared me into applying for college i think i did all of the application like the last month of my senior year which makes Um, me sad for you right because i did not enjoy it um yeah but I remember being put on the wait list and worrying that I wouldn't have a place to live. So I can feel that stress. But yeah, the importance of living where you're going to school. I mean, I didn't really. It was fun to have my own space and like be away from home, I guess. Well, and that's but that's the thing is that you're away from home for the first time you're in and neither of these girls were from Gainesville. So they were in a new in a new area at a new school for the first time by themselves without their family. I mean, you know, it's just, it's terrible. Um, and well, so and it, it, it's terrible because I'm assuming the story gets sad. Um, but for anyone else, it's just a normal thing that you kind of do when you, when you, most people do when they go off to college, some people stay close, but most people experience living on their own. And that's, and that's not terrible, but what, but what's terrible is that it was, it sounds like it was like a common, like they knew it was a problem that mm. the ha- the student housing was a problem in the area, and oh, I and get so, what you're saying. right, so like that's why it's terrible is that it it's mm. almost, and and I even remember as a student, it was I struggled finding housing um, because I mm. didn't qualify for a lot of apartments. I, I'm yeah. sure it was a little different back in the '90s, but that's uh, true. Yeah, probably similar issues though. I mean. She, when you're going to school, you can't afford rent, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah. But anyway, so so they were living in this apartment complex that a lot of other students lived in um, because it was close to campus, but it was off campus. Okay. One apartment, two girls. Uh, one's name was Sonia Larson. The other was Christine, Christina Powell, excuse me. Both were 17 at the time. Um, <clears throat> I... I didn't write down these notes because, like we discussed, it's pretty gr- gruesome. Um, okay. So, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because what he did to these women, to these girls, because they're 17 years old, is awful. Um, so I'm just going to really briefly explain to you what happened on August 24th. Okay. Danny broke into their apartment. 
Christina was downstairs sleeping on a couch. Sonia was upstairs in her bedroom. He found Christina sleeping on the couch and he went upstairs and found Sonia first. He covered her mouth with duct tape um, and he stabbed Sonia to death. It was it was silent. She didn't scream because it was muffled. You know, he had the tape over her mouth. He raped her before stabbing her. He told his victims like what he was doing to them. So he he spoke to them during these actions. He then goes downstairs and finds Christina sleeping. He tapes her mouth and her hands. Um, he removes her clothes. And I don't like, you know, the prosecution says that he began doing like foreplay with her. I don't necessarily call it foreplay. No, that's not a good word. fucking yeah. assaulting her. Um, and yeah. so he, he starts assaulting her and um, rapes her as well stabs her five times and kills her oh my gosh he uh also cut off christina's nipples oh my god and took one with him and left one on the side of like next to her body um he then cleaned them with dish soap to hide the evidence i guess Um, DNA. and then leaves he throws some some of the evidence, like his gloves and whatnot, into a dumpster, um, and then just just leaves. That was the twenty fourth. So, the morning of the twenty fifth, Christina and Sonia's families are starting to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody can get in touch with them, and it's uncharacteristic of them. I believe it was Christina's family had scheduled to come and visit her, oh. and. She wasn't answering the phone, wasn't answering the door, and they thought, well, maybe she's just out, but her car was still there. Mm. So they, they, uh, her, her parents ask a maintenance man to come and open the door for her. And so it's Chris, it's the maintenance man walks into the, to the apartment and finds Christina on the couch. Oh no. With Christina's parents behind him. <gasps> They saw her. Mm-hmm. Oh God. And yeah, it was the maintenance man, and the it was a woman who was like working the admissions to the to the complex, and mm-hmm. she just said like, seeing that that's one thing, but the fact that her parents were behind me. Yeah, knowing that her parents are seeing it too. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And so that's the twenty fourth. So they call police. And police are, like, trying to, you know, they're cleaning up one scene. The very next day on August 25th, the body of 18-year-old Krista Hoyt is found in her apartment as well. Oh, my gosh. This one is worse than Sonia and Christina's. Um, Oh, gosh. So Krista, Krista always wanted to be a police officer. Um, that was like her goal. She was going to school to be a police officer. That's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. While she was studying, she worked um, a night shift at the police department, like working in records. Okay. And that night, the night of the 25th, she didn't, sh- when actually it was the night of the, no, it was the night of the 25th. She didn't, um, she didn't show up for work. Oh, no. And she worked for the police station. And so, you know, everybody had known about Sonia and Christina that had just happened the day before. You know, we're not going to wait. We're going to go check out her apartment right now. 
Yeah. They couldn't get into her apartment. The door was locked. And so they're looking around. They're trying to find a way in. And they go to the back of her apartment and they look down and they see there's a sliding glass door. Uh-huh. And there's a little space underneath the door. And they kind of bend down to look and they see someone sitting on the bed hunched over. Oh, no. And they figure out that it's um, Krista. At the time, they just see her. They can tell she's naked and they can tell that she has shoes and that she has socks on. But that's all they can see. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they break in to the apartment and they discover that Krista's head is not attached to her body. Oh, my God. Um, come to find out, Danny has admitted to this after the fact. Um, he actually had been to her apartment a couple of times the maintenance man said that he had recalled like a week before sonia and christina's murder he told he approached krista because there was like a gate um so to get into the back end of her apartment she had to go through this little gate kind of like a little alleyway Mm -hmm. and the maintenance man noticed that that the gate was open and like three days before So he told Krista, like, Krista, you have to close this gate. You know, this is how you get to the back of your apartment. Yeah. And they both said, okay, we'll make sure it's closed. But they both agreed. So the maintenance man and Krista both at that time remember that someone from a phone company had been to the apartment complex. Uh So when they saw that the gate had been unlatched, they were like, that's probably from him. It's probably from the phone person. Yeah. But they closed it and they went on their their business. Mm -hmm. Later, we, we know... Rolling admits, nope, it was me. I was the one who was looking. Um, I had gone to Krista's apartment a couple of times. He said that he would watch her. Um, if he laid on his stomach, there was like a piece of, like I said, that little section between the glass door where uh-huh. he could have peeked into her bedroom. Um, and he says that he, one day he was peeking in while she was changing. Oh, He broke in with a screwdriver that he had bought, again, all under Michael Kennedy. And I I use it because they basically use that evidence to prosecute him. Um, So he breaks into Krista's apartment with the screwdriver and um, she's not home at the time. And so he just sits in in the apartment and waits, kind of like what he did back in Shreveport. But this time he doesn't get impatient. Um, He basically moved he was hiding in front of her door mm-hmm. and when she she was she had come home from she was playing racquetball with uh-huh. a friend of hers um and she came home that evening and he basically was hiding like right and right next to the door so she didn't see him and he attacked her from the back oh my gosh danny you know he raped her um and stabbed her from behind again she was taped her bound um her body still had the residue around her mouth and um the prosecutor actually said that due to the fact to to how she was laying um like post-mortem had kicked in and so they could tell that she had been taped because that part of her skin was Mm. like white you know Mm -hmm. and the knife that he used he he was so particular about it was such a it's a really aggressive knife um when i was watching some of the the prosecution with uh robbie some of the trial with robbie mm-hmm. he was like he thought that the marines used it like he thought that it was something that is like used for gutting something mm-hmm. um which i hate that term yeah 
So after he leaves Krista's apartment, he goes back to the woods, and that's when he determines he can't find his wallet. Um, mm. He He's looking for it at the campsite. He looked for it at the hotel that he was staying at. Couldn't find it. So he comes to the conclusion that he must have left it at Krista's apartment. It's then he returns to her apartment. No one has found her yet. Oh, my gosh. And it's then he decides to behead her. <gasps> so he be- he beheaded her. She was completely naked. He cleaned her body just like he did with Sonia and Christina. And if you recall, back in Shreveport, Julie's body had been cleaned with mm-hmm. vinegar. Yeah. And then puts her head in a bookshelf that basically when the police walk in, it's the first thing they see. Oh, my God. He also cut off her nipples, and um, those were next to her as well. Did he keep one again? No. Oh. He did not. So that's August 24th and August 25th. Oh I mean, police police just cleaned up Christina and Sonia's crime scene, and then they find Krista Hoyt. Um, and the whole town is, like, in frenzy, obviously. Of course. Um, you know, students are trying to leave. They're trying to go home. Um, the school says, we will not punish you if you do leave, mm-hmm. of course. Um, I'm surprised the school wasn't like, we're shutting it down. Like, they left it up to people to decide? Mm-hmm. Wow. They basically were saying they would have, like, giant slumber parties, right? They would have, like, 20-plus people, and they would all jam in together to keep each other safe because people were just afraid. Yeah. I mean, I would go home if it were me. Fuck yeah, I'd go home. Yeah, like these 20 people rooms, it's a good idea until the person like just goes crazy and kills 20 people in a room. Two days pass. It's May, tw- May 27th. August. I'm sorry, a- August. Thank you. Yeah, August 27th. <clears throat> Tracy Paulus, who's 23, um, lives with her roommate, Manuel Tobata, who is 23. It's funny because Tracy was... It's not funny. That was a terrible choice of words. It's ironic. Um, Tracy was going back to school and that's why she moved in with her friend Manuel um Manny as most people called him and her family was like we actually felt so relieved because Manuel was there you know Manny was there Mm -hmm. so Tracy wasn't going to be completely by herself and Tracy that night she was on the phone with a friend of hers and she said yeah Manny's not here yet um and but he better hurry because I'm I'm really nervous I'm afraid of all these murders and that evening at 3.30, actually, it's, I guess it's morning, at 3.30 a.m., Rowling broke into their apartment. Um, he first went through Manny's window and found Manny sleeping. Um, oh, my God. Manny is, he's described as a very large athletic man. He's, again, like 6'3", mm-hmm. so pretty similar um, statute as Rowling. Yeah. And Rowling begins to stab <gasps> Manny oh, no. and... So he had been slabbed in his solar plexus Mm -hmm. and shockingly Manny like wakes up and fights and starts fighting rolling. Oh my gosh. Good for Manny. And Tracy hears the ruckus and comes into Manny's room right as basically rolling is stabbing Manny to death. And it begins this chase through the apartment. Uh, Rowling starts chasing Tracy. And this is all from Rowling's account, unfortunately. Um, and Tracy turns and says, "You're? are you the one? He says, yes, it's me. 
he then murders her. Oh, no. Stabs her to death. Um, uh, no mutilations happened to these bodies. Uh, mm-hmm. Tracy and Manny weren't cleaned. Um, you know, nothing. Their nipples weren't missing. I've seen some people say maybe he was interrupted. Mm. I am also kind of curious if killing a man kind of threw, threw a wrench off. in things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe... Um, yeah, I, I just... It's an, it's an interruption in his routine. Right. And so I think maybe that's why he didn't fulfill it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tracy and Manny are found pretty quickly. And by the 28th, the police are like, we have to get this solved. You know, four days. That's all it's been. It's been four days. And we've lost four students. Oh, my gosh. Five students. Five students. I'm yeah. sorry. We've lost Sonia, Christina... Krista, Tracy, and and Manny. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, they're they're just looking for anyone. And the assumption is that it's someone who lives in the apartment complex, obviously, mm-hmm. since all victims lived there. And they focus on a student named Edward Humphrey. Yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> Edward Humphrey doesn't sound like a great person either. Um, I heard that he was in trouble for assaulting his grandma. Oh, my gosh. Um, Not, like, sexually, but, like, physically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I – and it's kind of why they thought maybe Ed was the guy. He had a interest in knives, it was said. Um, And that's pretty much who they they thought it was Ed. They they felt like it was a good good suspect. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically rolling escapes because they are saying we're pretty sure it's Edward. I mean, they haven't said we've caught the killer, but they're like, this is, this is our guy. Yeah. Um, rolling makes a friend with a, a transient named Tony Danzi. Mm -hmm. And, um, he and Tony are kind of hanging out. I'm thinking they're doing drugs because along this whole time, you mentioned that he likes acid. Mm -hmm. He also likes cocaine. Oh, good. Um, he it was when he moved back to Shreveport mm-hmm. was when he started doing cocaine again. And um, and we're kind of bouncing around now because now I just have a bunch of shit in my head. I was just another thing. I, his mom was saying that the drugs didn't help. But she said that Danny wasn't violent until his first wife divorced him. Mm-hmm. And his first wife was like petite and had brown hair and um, was, you know, cute and beautiful and i should say all of his victims including julie grissom are petite brunettes cute um kind of the same age range you know so he's like he has a a type he's just like the golden state killer yeah just like ted bundy you know they all have a type so while rolling and um Danzy are living together in the woods. Um, There are quite a few robberies. Uh, In, let's see, August 29th, there's a robbery. August 30th, there's a robbery. Um, I mean, just robberies on and off. And they finally have started to pinpoint them. They think they're maybe connected. They think maybe the robberies and the murders, because it's all happening, Mm -hmm. you know, cohesively, so quickly, one after the other. Yeah. So it's September of 1991. And the Gainesville Ripper cases are still unsolved. They still think it's Ed, but there is no DNA to connect him. There is no evidence to connect him. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the only evidence is that he's a sketchy dude who lives in the apartment and assaulted an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
on September 8th, uh, Danny stole a car, another car, and was on his way f- to do another um, armed robbery. And he was forcing a manager <laughs> at gunpoint um, when, oh, to like, to the safe to go get the money when the police were called. Um, and that started this high-speed chase. Oh, my gosh. Basically, they chase Danny down, and he and he and another man lead them into the woods. And like he's an idiot. I mean, they he literally led them to his to his campsite. Mm-hmm. And at the campsite, they find a shit ton of stolen money, and they know it's stolen because there's. Um, I'm pretty sure, like at banks, they put like powder or something on the the money. They do ink um, too. Yeah, yeah. Like a and they said it was like a red dust type mm, thing. Okay. And. Um, and so they found all this money and so they bring him in on an armed robbery. Like that's what they bring him in on. Mm-hmm. It's then that he kind of starts like admitting to maybe that he's done some other things, you know, he's starting to say, well, maybe I, you know, killed some people here and there. Um, what? So this man gets away with it and tells on himself. Well, yeah. Cause he's in prison for, for, um, armed burglary. I mean, I like, mean, but like, so you're going to just make it worse (laughs) well and they do this like this like round table there's a couple and it's kind of interesting i i had a whole conversation with robbie about it because the prosecution they um part of their their case is that um rolling in then two other inmates that he was with while he was serving this burglary sentence he basically they had like it was literally described as a round table discussion um, where it was detectives and this other inmate and rolling and rolling would like whisper shit to this inmate. And then the inmate would say, oh, yeah. So D- Danny's telling me this, this and this, that he did this. He was in Shreveport. He committed these murders. Da, da, da. Like, I mean, it, it was like literally called this inmate was called like his mouthpiece. Um and so that's honestly how they even got to the game. That's how they found out that he was even responsible for murders at all. So it wasn't good police work. They would have gone with Ed. Ed would have, you know, probably gotten charged with it, even though there was barely any proof. And Ed would have gone to jail. Exactly. Oh, my God. And so they're in this, like, roundtable discussion and this mouthpiece. Like, I mean, that's literally what he is described by the prosecutors, by all of the, the um, news articles that I read. And so he's, and I just don't, so I asked Robbie, um, do they still do this? Because I feel like you can't use an inmate's testimony. Right. Yeah. Cause like why, of course they're going to lie. Right. Or, or you, I guess as the defense, you could argue that they are just saying what the prosecution wants them to say so that they can get a deal. Right. That's what I thought. Like, he's doing it to get a deal. Yeah. But they used it. I, I mean, he they basically just said, no, he's just being the the mouthpiece. I mean, the, I, I keep using that. He's just he's our interpreter. Rolling trusts him and Rolling is going to tell him all this shit and then he will tell us. So I guess the argument would be then like they're hoping he's under oath and there it's just kind of like he said he said they're just hoping that the jury sees it as truth because what has he got to lose and that's kind of how i feel yeah um in november of 1991 they finally connected some dna that was left at the gainesville murder scenes um they connected them to danny rolling 
finally. Um, and so come at this time, like in 1991 was when he was actually being convicted for burglaries that happened in Tampa and was already being sentenced to three life terms plus 170 years. Oh my gosh. For burglary. And yeah. for Right. For burglary. Not even for the fucking murders. Wow. Um, during, we can talk about the trial. I just don't know. There are so it's, it's kind of hard. I was telling Robbie it's hard when there is so much information about a case. Yeah. Some of the cases, like most of the cases, I think that we do, you know, at max, we have like maybe five or 10 articles. Yeah. I have, I mean, I watched movies. I watched documentaries. I watched, <laughs> um, the, I watched court TV. I listened to podcasts. I, wa- I read articles. I mean, there are, if you want to listen to the court, you can listen to the court case. I mean, it's, they go into grave detail about these deaths mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and he admitted to it. And I mean, his whole defense was, we're not saying that I'm not guilty. I'm admitting I'm guilty, but yeah. what I'm saying is don't kill me and let me just go to prison for the rest of my life. He pled guilty um, to the five murder charges. And by March of that year, he was recommended for the death sentence. It was on. Wow. We, were, we are so close. On October 25th, 2006, Danny was um, executed by lethal injection by the state of Florida <laughs> um, because they don't fuck around. <laughs> yeah, Florida is the place you don't want to commit a crime. <laughs> no, not at all. And so that's cr- the 25th. We were, we're only four days off of his execution date. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um <laughs> I saw his last meal consisted of like butterfly shrimp and fucking crab and lobster and oh, and strawberry cheesecake. Um, Stuff like that just makes me like it's morbidly interesting, but also like this guy's a piece of shit and he has like fine dining as his final thing. Mm -hmm. And so as he's um, he's about to be executed and he starts singing country songs um, and they basically it's so funny they like turned off his mic for like 13 minutes before he was officially um counted as dead and they said he was just in there talking (laughs) just like being a fucking narcissist oh oh my god that's horrible (laughs) yeah but um right before he was executed um he handed his quote-unquote spiritual guide uh reverend mike hudspeth excuse me um, and in the note, he said he took full responsibility um, for the Grissom murders. He said, I and I alone am guilty. Um, quote unquote, literally says Hal Carter is 100 percent innocent, totally pure of this crime. Um, and it's then that Carter is finally released like 12 years after the fact. They finally say, OK, you're not guilty. Rowling admits to this, um, but he... Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, repeat that. Ed, it was Ed, right? So Ed was the um, the suspect. No, I, uh, yeah, I know who he is. He was in jail? Well, no, Ed was the was the suspect in Gainesville, but when Rowling was executed, he told... he final, That was finally when he took... Um, what's the, He said that he was responsible for the Grissom murders back in Shreveport. And so from, from the very beginning... 
Oh, so the guy who, who uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't remember who Carter was. Sorry. Yeah. No. So from the very beginning, Hal Carter, who was Julie Grissom's mm. ex-boyfriend. And the book guy. Okay. Okay. The book yeah, guy. Yeah. 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 The screenplay guy. Yeah. So finally, yeah. finally, he is, he's a hundred, he's been, uh, what's 100%, the word? percent. He, he's, they've, sh- they've like proven his innocence. Yeah. 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 I, I'm like how, you know, two hours in. I don't know. I, my vocabulary shit now. Um, And so he's finally absolved because in that's the very last thing rolling does is basically hand this reverend this note that says it's me i did it you know i'm the killer and um yeah like i said he was executed by lethal injection on um, october 25th and yeah um one thing i didn't touch base on because i thought it would take too long when i said keep in mind that he you know, was a demon. Um, Rowling <laughs> told people, told the court during his conviction that he um, had multiple personalities and that one of them was a demon named Gemini, which is straight out of fucking The Exorcist. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it, that's around this time, The Exorcist kind of came out around the time of the trial. Um, what a piece of shit. That's literally what he is. He's a piece of shit. That's what he should have been calling himself. Piece of shit. He's just doing this to get more attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that it kind of all, it's funny, it all kind of circles around back to Scream because they talked about, you know, he's saying, oh, I have this demon named Gemini. And they were like, okay, like you're literally pulling this from a movie. And then started the, the question of, are we... Are we pushing violence in our communities with movies and video games? And, you know, so it's just funny that we talked about Scream and how it was inspired by this terrible story. Um, And come to find, you know, and then he ended up trying to use a movie plot for his own defense. It's just it's just kind of a funny little circle. I hate when people do that because like any normal person watching a movie is not going to do this like and honestly it's not like he sat down and decided that at his first murder like this is just opportunity he sits in a cell and thinks of how can i get myself out of death mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much god what a piece of shit wow leslie good job with all the research that's crazy so there's the bonus there's <laughs> there it is i'm a uh... Thank you for doing all this yes, research. Yeah. Like you took the heavy part. I got to talk about movies and a kid. <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's okay. Well, and I want to say too, if I sound kind of weird, um, Ravioli's like well past her limit hey, okay. <laughs> and I'm standing and bouncing her. So okay. if I sound like exhausted, I'm just, I've been bouncing her for the past 15 minutes. <laughs> no, we're all exhausted. And I think this is actually the perfect, now that we're, you know, two hours in, thank God it's a bonus. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I say we sign off. What do you think? I agree. So friends, we're going to be coming back at our normal schedule in November. Um, So we're going to take a little bit of a break and you'll hear from us in mid-November and we'll go back to our two episodes a month. Yep. We're going to, we finished up the Gainesville Ripper and now we're going to finish with another Ripper. Oh my gosh. Look at that. It just (laughs) circles back around. I didn't even think about that. Always circles. So All right, friends. Well, we'll see you next time. We'll see you then. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, friends. Leslie, insert some spooky woo woo Mm -hmm. here. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.